0: The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker.
1: Time right now eight twelve. You're tuned into the WGNs Action Line, and this morning in studio we'll have guests who represent our local area in Rutherford County, uh, from the state Senate and also state representatives. And uh, joining us first this morning we have Charlie Baum, and you are a local state representative. First off, uh, area that you cover is is what?
2: I represent uh, the northwest portion of Murfreesboro parts of Rutherford County, sort of in that northwest quadrant, and the eastern half of Smyrna and Laverne.
1: And I know you have to be somewhere this morning, so kind of update us, you know, on your end of of what you're seeing right now within the General Assembly, any changes or things coming up?
2: yes each representative and each senator serves on a couple of committees and they uh... become most familiar with the issues that come before those committees and one of the committees i serve on is the house finance ways and means committee and so what i thought i'd do is give you an update on our state's budget and the state economy. We have passed uh, in our at the end of our last session a forty-two point six billion dollar budget that includes no new taxes and adds no new debt. And we've used our resources in order to uh, be responsible, make sure that we can meet the commitments we've made in the future. And I'd like to give you a couple of the uh, uh, main items in our budget because they indicate what our state's priorities are. I should probably acknowledge that our state did receive some one-time money from the federal government, and since this money was one-time, we didn't want to create recurring expenditures at the state level using one-time federal money. So some of the priorities that we have budgeted are going to include one-time expenditures. One is that we uh, put $250 million into a mental health trust fund. That's because our state is prioritizing addressing mental health issues in our society and communities. This, to 250 million dollar trust fund will uh, will be something that we're uh, that we spend. interest that accrues from the trust fund on mental health programs in order to address those problems. We also have uh, uh, allocated $250 million to TCRS. That stands for Tennessee Consolidated Retirement System. That is our state's public retirement plan for teachers and other state employees. We want it to be 100% funded so that we have no future unfunded liabilities. We want our public employees and teachers to have their retirement funds when they retire and need it. And so by adding $250 million more to TCRS, we make sure that that fund is fully funded. And I should add that we shouldn't take that for granted because many states do not have fully funded public pension plans. Kentucky and Illinois, for example, have only funded about 35% of their pension plans. And, of course, the best example is Social Security at the federal level. It is not fully funded, and the federal government faces a very large future unfunded liability there. We have also moved $100 million into our state's rainy day fund so that when unexpected economic events occur in the future, we're prepared to address them. We also understand the importance of broadband access. Students need internet access to do their homework when studying remotely. Folks looking for a job need the internet to apply for jobs online so we've allocated hundred million additional dollars in this year's budget to expand broadband access across the state it's gonna take more money than that but that should uh, make a big difference that that folks will notice. Uh, one other item that I'll mention about our state's budget is that our formula for funding education is through something called the BEP and we are fully funding our BEP formula. Okay, now shifting gears just a little bit, I thought I'd make a comment or two about the uh, national economy and some of the challenges that we face in Tennessee from an economic perspective. We are experiencing nationally and in Tennessee. Elevated rates of price inflation. One measure of that is the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, and it looks like for tw- the year 2021, CPI inflation is going to come in uh, around 7%. Prices will have gone up about 7% over the prior year. Sometimes people refer to core CPI. This is a measure of price inflation that excludes uh, food and energy costs. Those two items are excluded from core. PCI because they're thought to be particularly volatile, and so by excluding them, you have a more stably measured index. However, people do pay for food, and they do pay gasoline for energy, like when they fill up at the pump for gasoline, and so these are real parts of a household budget. Core PCI is coming in between 55 and 6% elevated from the year 2020. And so I think this raises the question, what is causing this inflation nationally and in Tennessee? And I've got three suggestions that economists have have uh, put forward. One is disruptions in the supply chain due to covid, the covid pandemic. There were. Uh, shutdowns that resulted in interruptions in the supply of goods and this has resulted in less merchandise which has prompted an increase in prices. This is sort of a supply factor. When the supply of goods decreases this puts upward pressure on prices. A second factor is a reduction in the labor supply. When we have fewer people working, we're producing fewer things, providing fewer services. This is also putting upward pressure on prices and it's from the Supply side of the economy. The third factor I thought I'd mention that is a demand side factor is additional spending by the federal government. Uh, The Biden administration, for example, has um, uh, passed several trillion dollars in additional stimulus spending, and this is increasing the demand for goods and services, and that also puts upward pressure on price levels. I thought I would conclude with a few comments on why uh, the labor supply seems to be reduced. Pre-COVID, our country's labor force participation rate was about 63 and a half percent. During the depths of COVID, it fell to about 60 percent, and since that time, we've got we've uh, gone about halfway back, uh, not to our prior level of 63.5%, but something more like 61.9%, so we're about halfway back. Those may not sound like large changes, but when you're talking about a country with hundreds of millions of people, a decrease in the in, uh, the labor force participation rate of a couple of percentage points makes a big difference. Some of the reasons why the supply of labor has gone down have to do with covid as people got sick they were unable to work they had sick relatives that they had to take off from work in order to take uh in, in order to provide care for there are other workers who have not returned to work because they're fearful of covid and they don't want to be in a workplace environment where they might get it a second factor that is incre- that has decreased the labor force participation rate uh, has been the generous unemployment compensation benefits that have been provided across the country. Folks have been able to receive more from unemployment compensation in some cases than they would have made from working their job. This has provided a disincentive to work, and the result has been a, a decreased labor force participation rate. And then a final factor that I'll mention is. The baby boomer generation is approaching retirement age, they are retirement age, and they have begun to retire in relatively large waves. The baby boom generation are those people born between 1946 and 1964. These individuals have begun to retire, and this has also decreased our labor force participation rate. Economists hope that the first factors that I mentioned will be temporary. As COVID subsides, as unemployment compensation benefits return to normal levels, those factors uh, are temporary and should result in an increasing labor force participation rate. But economists are concerned that the baby boomers who have retired will not be coming back to the labor force even after uh, the COVID pandemic uh, begins to subside. We believe that this is going to be a permanent change. And that's a factor that would result in inflation being elevated on more than than a temporary basis.
1: Again, that was State Representative Charlie Baum. We are going to take a short break, and we, didn't, we come back here in just a second, we're going to rearrange some microphones, and in studio with us this morning will be State Senator Don White, State Representatives Tim Rudd, and Mike Sparks, and Charlie, I believe you said you had to head on out of here, so... <laughs> Uh, have a good day today.
2: Thank you. Thank you all for having me.
1: Time right now, 822. You're tuned in to WGNS on this Friday morning, today, the 28th of January.
0: If
3: I could talk to the animals.
4: Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City, inviting your family to come in and do business with my family. As the weather gets worse and we spend more time indoors, give your pets additional enrichment. Here at Animal City, we carry a variety of toys and entertainment for pets of most kinds. When you stop in to see us at Animal City, make sure to explore all two stories of our wonderful pets and pet supplies. Animal City is at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro.
2: Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Restaurants. One of the places I love to eat out the most and still be
5: able to do so and maintain a healthy weight is at Demas's. You can get those options on the menu online at www.demasrestaurants.com. You can make the decisions
2: that you want to make before you come in. We have options ranging from grilled chicken to fish. You can get it with a side of green beans or spinach or even zucchini. Please have your family join our family for lunch or dinner at Demas's.
0: The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.
1: Time right now, 823. Good morning. You're listening to WGNS. And this morning, once more in studio, we have with us State Senator Don White and State Representatives Tim Rudd and Mike Sparks, again, all in studio with us. We heard from Charlie Baum just a second ago. He had to exit quickly, I guess, for classes that he teaches and whatnot at MTSU uh but
4: how are each of you doing today we're doing great how are you doing i'm good i've been a little cold lately though yes it has been got your winter coat on that's that, for sure that's right
3: very windy
4: <laughs> it, it is mike how are you
3: i you doing good scott
4: you know over the
1: last year really two years the whole COVID thing has really shaken a lot up um, and i know a lot of dollars have been funded into different areas of the state of tennessee uh, because of covid Uh, People call them COVID dollars, I guess. Uh, But what are some of these different items? Because I I know Charlie said a second ago something in regards to mental health and helping out more folks with mental health problems. Are those dollars also from the federal government for COVID-related problems with
4: mental health? Um, There are some that are coming through but Governor Lee had put into a trust $250 $250 million um, for mental health. We realize it's on the rise. It was on the rise before COVID. It's definitely on the rise af- uh, during the COVID pandemic. And we're going to see effects of mental illness uh, for years to come because of COVID. And one of the reasons is, of course, children. Because um, you know, no fault of any educator, teacher, principal, administrator, but that year they were out of school um, and had to learn online really did a lot of damage to a lot of children um and you know dcs will tell you that the uh, amount of cases of child abuse are down 65 percent that year well we know that's not true and they will tell you that it was probably up but your teachers your counselors your principals are the first line of defense for those children because they see those children day in and day out to say something's not right here they start asking the child they get more information from the child they uh, send that child to the counselor that counselor picks up because they're trained in that and they're the ones that are reporting that abuse or neglect and when you do not have that and that child was at home then you know that was not being reported so the amount of mental um that has taken with a child it's going to be years and years we're going to see um, the effects of that unfortunately
1: you know and, and i am certain there are going to be studies that will be released in the coming years about how devastating covid 19 really was on not only the economy of course but also on children on adults on their mind mindset you know all kinds of stuff and i don't know if any studies have already been released that really cover some of those subjects or not other than economical studies but i'm talking about the mental side of it um, because it is it has been
4: devastating for sure exactly and of course our education um we lost a, y- a year of learning and again no fault of anyone it was just the circumstances and I think teachers did the absolute best they possibly could with the circumstances they were given but children need consistency and so we were in school for two weeks then there would be an outbreak at that school they would have to go online for two weeks then they might could come back for a week then there was another outbreak and it was a two week and so we had and you know the data is showing especially with the testing that we lost a year and the federal government has sent down around four billion dollars in education and of course we did summer camps last summer uh, we'll do them this year as well on um, learning loss. we're doing after school programs um, to try to make up for the year that was lost. Um, And all the money does have to be spent by September 2024. So, you know, we're looking at how to effectively spend that money.
1: You know, with children being at home, not in school, you know, obviously that is hard on a lot of kids. Some kids, you know, maybe they excelled being at home versus in school. But I would say the majority really did fall behind. But also, we have heard reports here at the station of increased school bullying, cyberbullying, of course, not in school, but cyberbullying throughout the whole COVID-19 pandemic. And that's another area that I don't think a lot of talk has really been focused on. But these are things that have come about, uh, and COVID-19 has made these things worse.
4: it it really has and we're going to see that again studies will start coming out once the covid pandemic um kind of new you know goes and um we become Uh, herd immunity, and it decreases, then that's when the studies. Of course, our main focus right now is the learning loss. We've got to catch that year up that those children lost. And so we're looking now at that, but I think you're right. Years and years later, we're going to see the studies and the effect of mentally what COVID-19 had on our children.
1: Again, State Senator Don White also with us today. State Representatives Mike Sparks and Tim Rudd. What have y'all been working on over the last couple of months, and and what are you seeing in the general assembly, and what can we expect to happen in months to come?
6: Well, it's uh, it's just this Tim Rudd. it's just now um, starting up. The committees are just now starting to put bills through. Uh, I guess, of course, we just got through the first major thing we got through with uh, redistricting of the House and Senate and the U.S. Congress, and those uh, have just come out finalized this week, and um, Then after that, and I'll be glad to ask. We can discuss that. But the big, the big thing right now is, um, which Don I know about, and I've been setting in and conferencing in on members of the House Education Committee. I was on a conference call last night about the governor's BEP formula. And there's a lot of disruption in the House anyway that they are not in favor of the uh, the negotiated formula because it's pumping more money into schools and upping teachers' salaries, but it's not solving classroom problems and administrators and teachers are wanting to reduce on average i think the average teacher has to conduct 12 tests a year they're so busy te- they're so busy teaching to the test and testing they don't have time to do their work and spend more time with the children and help them so we need to reduce that to 6 or less tests a year and um get take that burden off the backs of teachers as well as giving them more more income are also looking at doing some reforms regarding um uh, uh health care uh, for teachers to improve their health care, and uh, those negotiations are going on right now, so there's a lot going on in education right now, and that'll be coming to um to committees i guess in the, starting next week, I guess in the house and uh the house takes a usual on average it takes about a third longer to get legislation through because there's more of us, and we have subcommittees where the Senate doesn't have subcommittees, so it takes a lot longer to filter things through and um So that's starting to roll now. As far as what I'm personally doing, um, uh, Dawn White's been on the committee with unaccompanied uh, minor children where the government was forcing children in here without telling us. She can update you on all that i uh, got some legislation I'm working on on that, and she's uh, been chairing that, and I'm co-chairing that, and been on the committee, what, for about six or eight months?
4: Uh, since j- June. Now, so, when you say forcing
1: children in without telling us, what what is that all about? Well,
6: uh, and I'll let you take over, but I'll, I guess I can introduce that what it's, it's very important what the federal government was doing was um, unaccompanied children that are at the border, the Mexican border, they were just being dropped there, and the federal government, using buses and planes, we're taking those children all over the country and putting them in hotels, uh, renting dormitories. Now they're putting them in single family homes. And they legally, the federal government does not have to tell the state that we're even here. The state's not cooperating with us. We don't even know. They won't tell us. And, um, so um, one thing my legislation is being proposed doing is we may not be able to tell the feds what to do, but we can tell Tennesseans what to do. And Children's Services need to know these children are in the state so they can inspect facilities to make sure they're safe. So we're my legislation would make it a felony if any Tennessee resident or property owner cooperates with the federal government and houses um uh, unaccompanied uh, children from the border without notifying the state of children's services so they can inspect the facilities. And then she's just found out a wealth of information on all this, and Don, uh, Senator White, can tell you about, about that.
1: You know, it, it sounds like it could also okay. set these children up to potentially be abused, be, be trafficked, uh, because if local people are not aware of this is happening, then I could see there would be a lot of other issues that would come along with that.
4: Of course what's made the news is the baptiste group they are out in of Chattanooga and they rented the old temple dormitories. The temple uh, college in Chattanooga of course folded and is no longer there and so they went in and rented the old dormitories and housed um, boys from 13 to 17 years of age and of course three of their staff members have been charged with abuse and sexual abuse of these boys and so dcs went in and shut them down after the alleged abuse they went in and randomly interviewed some of the boys uh, and they're allowed to do that by state law and the boys started talking and started telling the situation at the facility and outside the facility one of the um accused actually the sexual abuse took outside of the uh, temple dormitories and so at that point dcs was able to shut down the facility but at the time there was really um, no way of knowing because every day um, some of the boys were being taken by relatives and with the federal government and the Office of Refugee Resettlement. There is no way to know if the person that comes to those dormitories and say, I'm aunt, or I'm the uncle, or I'm the cousin, or I'm the family member, there is no DNA testing. There is no way to know if they are really a relative of that child. So, of course, the state of Tennessee is very concerned with sex trafficking, drug trafficking, and human trafficking with these children um, that are coming across the border. And the unfortunately uh, the federal government will not tell us um who is being brought in and how you know where they are going after they are picked up from these facilities and of course they're all in all 50 states it's just that baptiste is the one that's running um the one in chattanooga through the federal government and they um have been shut down now they are suing the state saying they did nothing wrong it was just their employees and so there is a lawsuit it um the first court has said that they need to stay shut down but of course they have appealed it and it's going through the court system currently so a lot
1: happening for sure also with us this morning representative mike sparks and uh, mike i know just 14 days ago the whole auto emission thing ended in rutherford county along with several other counties
3: yeah hats off to to the recent the passing of Judge Carter out of Ottawa, he led that effort along as long uh, uh, along with Tim Rudd and Charlie and Don and Shane and others in the legislature. I mean that's such a relief. Um, you know we call it the oppressive uh, mandate, and I've probably seen it more than others with my former car business. I mean it was a it was a really a tax on the poor. Um, a lot of your mechanics are going to miss it though because they made a lot of money on on those replacing those little gas caps and everything else but i was at mike carter's funeral and you know we had mike in at shoney's about four years ago talking about um the legislation and uh trying to end emissions and um uh we had about 30 people in there and i remember mike shared a story and um mike was really sharp uh as a former judge down in um in Ottawa, and um he shared a story of a woman calling him who had recently bought a business it was a central heat and air company and she had a few ford vans you know and um and she said she called him she said i know i'm interrupting your time you know you're a busy legislator he said no ma'am i've got time and um, she said i know it's inconvenience said, no ma'am it's not inconvenience i got time for you and she said um you know that all three or four of these vans had one code. It was a transmission code. It had nothing to do with the emissions, you know, coming out of the, the exhaust pipe. And she said, "This is my livelihood." And I remember Mike sharing that story, and I watched Mike cry. I watched him get choked up. That was the kind of legislator he was. He was a fierce fighter, and we lost a fighter in the Tennessee General Assembly. But, but a lot of that was led by uh, Judge Mike Carter, and. Um, yeah, it's it's jacked up. I mean, how do we? Why do we allow this? It's an infringement on our personal liberties and freedoms. But um, anyway, you had such a such relief. Um, I could tell you, I got a tag expired because of emissions, but I won't. <laughs> got to go get something registered this month. But it is oppressive, you know. A lot of times, it was just something simple, you know. But yeah. Have you ever had that happen? You ever had? Oh yeah, money? yeah, and, and No, that- not Scott. Not Scott
1: Walker. I, I mean, you had issues such as a gas cap not being on properly or maybe the gas cap just being old, not fitting right, and then it would make you fail your auto emission test. One
3: time I was in line over in Smart. I was in line. Light was off, doing good. All of a sudden, the light come on while I'm in line. So I just had to wait and go through, tell the guy, hey, man, I'm going to have to come back. You know? Anyways, it is a little uh, jacked up
1: and again representative sparks with us as well Uh, any new legislation you're working on that uh, we're going to see more of well you know
3: i appreciate don tim talking about the importance of mental health and education man there is just such a myriad of issues out there you know and just listening to Tim and don talk about human trafficking and uh, i remember a lady approached me when i first got elected a detective um kathy hines was her name she's african-american out of Detroit. And she had shared with me. Well, one, it was kind of cool. She said, "I feel led to come talk to you." She's a strong Christian woman, and she started talking about human trafficking. And I, I thought, no way, this kind of stuff. It may happen in Vegas or Chicago, but not our community. And she said, no, "I'm telling you, it does." And and uh, Kathy moved to um, to um, uh, Illinois, but um, you know, I was at a Latinos for Tennessee meeting last week. And the governor was there with uh, Raúl López. Good, cr- good, solid Christian folks. A lot of a lot of folks were there, and um, Andy Ogles and other conservatives across the state. And um, and I heard somebody getting up there talking. I forgot which, which woman it was, but she was talking about human trafficking, and she was talking about the kids being sold into, into sex slavery. And then and then here's something that really alarmed me, talking about people being bought and, and sold, organs being harvested. I, and I was, had a, a Hispanic lady with me. Um, who came Who came up there with me, and uh, Lisette Lopez. And um, I turned to her. I said, you really think that stuff because she said, Mike, that stuff's happening. You know the word I think of? Evil. We're living in some evil times, and uh, and I think there's spiritual warfare. I think a lot of people don't want to acknowledge it, but if you never acknowledge the enemy, no wonder we're losing ground, it seems like. Um, the mental health is at an all-time high. There's a good article of the other day, um, New York um, Times of All Places, I read it, Dave Brookings had um, wrote it, and he talked about the problems were at an all-time high of, like, evil. And I was glad somebody said it. Somebody wrote it. I'm surprised New York Times even printed it. But um, even throughout evil, I've seen good things. Just, what was it, two weeks ago, I think you heard me talk about um, Rough County Sheriff's Department and Murfreesboro Police um, apprehending that, that uh, man that had killed his wife in North Carolina, and they had the little three-year-old girl. Hats off to Detective Mobes, uh Deputy Smotherman, Corporal Travis, and others. And let me tell you the goodness i seen right there. Because someone called me, wanted me to go to Department of Children's Service, wanted me to go to court. They weren't going to let me in the court. And I heard a guy say, and I'm not going to say his name because he may get in trouble. He said, I'm going to that courtroom. Even if they try to stop me, I'm going in there and I can't say his name. Um, and I told him, I said, brother, I'm going with you. And I'm thinking, am I gonna get arrested? Is this worth getting arrested about? Uh, they didn't feel like they were getting the, le- the level of service from the Department of Children's Services. Got to meet with the counselors, and that's an issue that, that you know many of us have been talking about is more counselors, more social workers to try to help these kids. And uh, got to talk to them, their caseloads through the roof their caseloads through the roof. So what do we do to help them? But let me tell you what that young detective did. Mobes is his name. He invited the family from North Carolina to the church at Highland Heights Church of Christ. Here's a mother that lost her. Her daughter was murdered. Her sister came in. Her daughter came in. It's 30. And Detective Mobes invites them to church. Who does something like that? You can't legislate that. So we got to get this country back to some Christian basics, and there's evil on the rise, and there's people that will want to censor you for using the term Christian. Anything you do, they will try to take you down. I've witnessed it, literally. And, Scott, a lot of it's in the media. It's not WGNS Radio. It's not the Murfreesboro Post. But there's elements out there that want to stop your First Amendment rights. Uh, They'll talk about the First Amendment As long as they get their say, but then you start to talk about the root of the cause, the root of the issues, the root, nobody wants to talk about it. And if you do talk about it, take John DeBerry. You know what they've done to him? They took him off the ballot. African-American lawmaker who marched with Dr. King, who was at the mountaintop speech and heard it, and the Democrats took him off the ballot. The one voice, the one voice that was the strongest in the Tennessee General Assembly, they shut him up. But you know what? God had a different plan. You know what they What done? They do. They shut him down, but you know what Governor Bill Lee did? He hired him, as an, as an advisor. First African-American to be on the same level at the state capitol. CNN won't print that. I'll challenge Gannett to print it. Challenge MSNBC. But anyways, that's evil. No People don't want to call it evil. That's evil.
1: Definitely a lot happening in our state and, of course, all across the country. Now, going back to the subject a little bit here on children and children during the COVID pandemic, uh, you've got things called parenting plans that judges issue for parents who are divorced and the child stays, you know, one parent one week, the other parent the next week. But are we going to see in the future more teeth in those parenting plans because we've had reports over the past year of children who were abused in some way a father a mother not following that so-called parenting plan and then officers arriving on the scene and not having the ability to make an arrest just because a parent violated the parenting plan and decided to drink alcohol for example become intoxicated but you can't just give someone a intoxication test or a breathalyzer or a blood alcohol content test if they're in their own home getting drunk. So there's no teeth in so-called a lot of the parent plans out there. And we have seen a lot of problems again with children over this whole pandemic period involving divorced parents, single parents, and what to do in cases like that. So are we going to see changes in the future in that category?
4: of course we were in uncharted territories uh, with the covid 19 pandemic no one saw any of this coming no one could have really actually even planned for any of this to come and so i think we're going to see a lot of legislation this year Um, of course we had special session in uh, the fall on you know a lot of the mass mandates the vaccine mandates that kind of issues but i think we're going to see a lot of bills this session dealing with unintended consequences that came out of the covid19 pandemic and that is probably one that we might see um, during this time Um, and of course a lot of um, education uh, bills and we all have one that says um, a school has to do 180 days of in-person instruction because we had two school systems in the state that did not go back until May uh, of 2021. And so those students definitely lost a whole year of uh, instruction in the classroom. And so we've got bills saying, you know, and there'll be consequences if they don't have 180 days of instruction, and um so we're going to see a lot of bills filed i believe this session and bill file deadline is next week so we'll know for sure what is filed and technically there could be up to 1500 bills filed so it takes a little while to go through all of them but we will see bills filed this session due to situations that we never saw or never knew that could be a situation because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Again, Senator
1: Don White there. I I think we are going to see a a lot of realizations, you know, people coming to the realization that, well, you know, we had this law or rule in place, but uh, we need to give it a little something else so that an arrest could be made if something happens again involving parents, parenting plans, and And juveniles i mean we are going to see i guess some some massive changes over the next few years really because of covid19 so there may be some good that comes out of this some big changes that come out of this
6: well uh, covid uh, COVID covid19 is like a curse on our society not only because of the sickness and death but it's also brought out the very worst in people it's also brought out the best in a lot of people um But people's uh, hidden prejudices and hatred, especially for uh, conservatives and people of faith, has shown its ugly head during this. Because uh, business owners that had these prejudices that didn't want conservatives or, say, a Trump supporter or a Christian or a person of faith working for them, they couldn't do anything. Uh, Now they just assume that people who have not been vaccinated, which is about, what, 35 to 40 percent of the country, are conservative which is not true the largest group that doesn't want to be vaccinated is actually Afri- african-americans but they they're using this as an opportunity i'm getting calls all of the state where business owners are say if you're if you're not vaccinated you're fired uh... And of course under state law right now you can ask if you're vaccinated but you don't have to answer and by law there can be no retribution but um now they're they're doing it like we got ridiculous laws. Even hospitals won't do surgery in some cases now if you haven't been vaccinated, well, yeah. or if you don't show proof you don't. You have to take a test that you've you don't currently have COVID nineteen. Yet they don't require people who've been vaccinated to have the same test. And it's already been proven and accepted science that if you have been vaccinated, you can still get COVID nineteen and can still spread it. Yet they only are uh, prejudiced towards the unvaccinated, when they should be both be treated the same. I get calls from employees all the time stating that they're, they're trying to force me to be vaccinated. I got calls from Chattanooga, though. The Volkswagen plant won't let vendors in their plant unless they can show proof of vaccination or take a test. And um, they don't require the vaccinated to take the test, but only the unvaccinated for whatever reason. I think stupidity and ignorance as well as prejudice is playing a part in all this. And I do have legislation that just came out of legal yesterday that states that um, we we have to respect people's property rights. If you're a property owner and you don't want someone on your property that hasn't been vaccinated, that's your right because we have a constitutional people have a constitutional right to protect their property if that's what they want that's what they have but um uh we can only go so far but you've got to treat both parties the same and my legislation said it would be a severe crime punishable to five thousand dollar fine if you're requiring testing you have to have unvaccinated and vaccinated people both tested not just one or the other
1: We are going to take a short break and then we will be right back in studio with us this morning. State Senator Don White and also State Representatives Mike Sparks and Tim Rudd. Time right now, 850. Again, we'll be right back.
4: Hi, this is Becky Buchner, and I'm just so proud to talk about the veterans in our community and what an incredible gift they've given
6: all
2: of us, and that's our freedom and the right to live in this country. And we're so grateful to them for the sacrifices they've made.
0: WGNS proudly salutes our U.S. veterans who
1: have served our country. In this salute, we talk to a World War II veteran. American hero, Norm Elzeer, you were on uh, B-24. The Liberator. The
5: Liberator? That's what they called it. Our average mission was seven hours. We were on oxygen seven hours at times. There were six gunners on the plane. When we flew four missions, they give us a fifth of whiskey for the whole six, not a piece. We saved them up, and after we flew so many times, they sent us the Isle of Capri for a week's rest, and that's where we took all our booze. And every time you got in that plane, you didn't know if that was your first time or your last Oh, flight. that's for sure. It got pretty hot at times. How many missions would you say you completed? Not 21, but after we come back from the Isle of Capri, we flew three straight days in a row. And the third day we got shot down. That was 21. After you were shot down, how long did it take for you to find safety? We bailed out over Yugoslavia and it was German held at the time. We landed in uh, friendly areas, the Czech people there. They took care of us. And we uh, would be warned in advance that the Germans were on our tail and they would take off as far as
2: food and water and food was like scarce
5: that. food was scarce the germans would come into these villages and take their food we would go to one village and we would have beans the twice a day for two weeks another village would be potatoes i ended up johnness because we didn't get the right food that's one of those things people did the best they could for us true american
1: norm Elzir. <laughs> Restoration One of Middle Tennessee.
4: A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes.
1: After disaster strikes.
4: Fire, water, or storm damage, we can help you get your life back to normal quickly.
1: Restoration1 Middle
4: Locally and better enough.
0: The action line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5, Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSradio.com.
1: right now that time eight 53. you're tuned to wgns on this friday morning today the 28th of january again with us today state senator don white and state representatives tim rudd and mike sparks mike you wanted to say something after that last break there what was it oh yeah
3: well uh, we've got a surprise for you bart um representative tim, tim rudd and uh, senator white senator reeves couldn't be here and representative charlie Baum and um uh, Brian Terry, Brian, I think is helping his mom. Had to go to town. We've got a surprise proclamation uh, that we had uh, passed on the Tennessee General Assembly floor. I think y'all passed it. Was it yesterday? Okay, then we had it early this week. But um, I'm gonna get Tim Rudd. Will you read this? Well, it's a, or do you want to read it, Scott? It's a little uh, lengthy.
6: Oh, I, I want to hear you read. Oh. It.
3: You want to read it? Go ahead. Okay. Anyways, um, it's a little lengthy. It says
6: you got the radio voice. No, I yes. like radio
3: boys. Uh, <laughs> uh, whereas locally and locally owned and operated radio stations have been important cultural institutions since the early days of radio industry, as the new medium brought local, national, and world events to listeners in a timely fashion and opened doors to music, sports, weather, and other features. Whereas WGNS Radio in Rutherford County is one of such vital stations, which for seventy-five years, seventy-five years, folks, has provided its listeners with Outstanding services, whereas WGNs signed on on at 10 p.m. December 31st, 1946. December 31st, 1946. Initially, the offices, studio, and transmitter were housed in a small two-story block building located near the station's self-supporting 328-foot radio tower. Whereas Cecil Elrod, the radio station's first owner, chose to relocate WGNS Studio to the mezzanine of his family's business, Elrod's French Shop, which was an elegant women's apparel store on the east side of Murfreesboro's historic town square. Whereas in the 1960s, the radio station moved three blocks off the square to its present location, 306 South Church Street in Murfreesboro. And whereas while WGNS has broadcast on AM 1450 for a remarkable 75 years, in 1995 the station expanded its offerings to include its Good Neighbor programs on TV Channel 11, the Class A television station broadcast, the same program as it's heard on its radio. But it also televised its shows, which also often featured the station's host, interviewing various community leaders. And whereas March 2007, WGNS put its hometown focus broadcast on FM 100.5, FM 101.9, in combination with its Internet site, there are currently five ways of connecting with Murfreesboro through the Good Neighbor Station, which is exactly what the letters DGNS and its call sign stands for. Whereas local sports broadcasters have been very popular on WGNS, the station has included live play-by-play local high school games since 1947. Continues to the heart of Tennessee's Blue Raider affiliate. WGNS has been the area's blue, blue uh, Atlanta Braves station for 40 years. Whereas in 1940s and early 1950s, the gospel airs fill the airways with music every Sunday night, and WGNS still devotes. Much of the Sunday broadcast scheduled to religious programming, whereas many prominent figures have been associated with the storied radio station during its 75-year history, including former State Representative John Hood, Hall of Fame broadcaster Carl P. Mayfield, who has had a national satellite radio, Mr. Boots, Boots Boots, Jerry Brown, well-known local musician Carl Tipton, nationally known John Young, sportscaster Monty Hale, in whose memory, local street and basketball arena at Middle Tennessee State University is named after. Whereas December 2021, FM 100.5 relocated to Smyrna and Laverne in order to expand to its current areas of Rutherford County. Whereas seventy five years, WGNS has provided countless hours of reliable information, quality entertainment, and caring public service to thousands of listeners who have earned a hallowed place in the hearts and fans. Now, therefore, I com- Cameron Sexton, Speaker of the House of Representatives, on this one hundred and twelfth General Assembly of the State of Tennessee at the request in conjunction with Representative Mike Sparks, Representative Tim Rudd, Representative uh, Charlie Baum, Brian Terry, Senator Don White, Senator Shane Reeves, do hereby proclaim that we commend and congratulate the owners uh, and staff of WGNS celebrate 75 years of broadcasting and service to their community and extend to them our best wishes for much continued success. Congratulations, Bart.
0: Thank you so much. That means so much. You just can't imagine. We appreciate that and uh, work very hard to be a good neighbor. And we'll continue to do that. Thank you so much. And thank you for all that all of you do to make this community better. That's so much appreciated also. Thank
1: you.
4: Congratulations to d- you, to the Walker family and to WGNS. Um, you know, I don't think you realize what an impact you truly have on this community. You know, whether you're a nonprofit and you want to get your message out, whether you're having an event in Rutherford County, you're always welcoming nonprofits and um, community events to come on your show and to talk in um, your radio station and talk about their mission and what they uh, need from the community and voting volunteers and so many organizations in Rutherford County has truly been blessed by coming on this show and you having them on this show so thank you so much for everything you've done for this community
0: thank you senator white thank you for all that you do and all uh, all each one of you uh, you're our heroes and we we really appreciate well this uh,
6: this station had a profound effect on me politically Because in the late 80s, when I first got involved in politics, and then in the early 90s, Bill Vogel, the former owner of the station, was chairman of the Republican Party. And he was very encouraging to me as a young Republican. And when I made um, the decision to run for state executive committeeman in 1984 uh, to be on the state party's executive board, he encouraged me and supported me and endorsed me in that. And uh, so this station definitely has had a big impact on um, me and Rutherford County because of that. I guess I've made a little difference in Rutherford County. I didn't and I may not be story. state rep today if they hadn't encouraged me to run for state committee.
0: Wow. Uh, that See, now there's a, a neat story. I had never heard that before. You never know when helping somebody, it's going to make a big difference in their lives and, and enable you to serve people as you're doing right now.
1: Amen.
0: Tim, thank you again. All right.
1: Well, Mike, thank you very much, and uh, we're already out of time. It's 9 o'clock already. It goes by quick, doesn't it, it? It does go by quick. Again, with us this morning, State Senator Don White and State Representatives Tim Rudd and Charlie Baum was here earlier, and also Representative Mike Sparks. Again, thank you all for joining us this morning. Time right now, 9 o'clock, more news comes up next, right here on WGNS Murphy's Murfreesboro.